Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Last September here on Grassroots Marketing, previously on a previous episode, uh, we <clears throat> spoke with a group uh, at a dispensary which was launched recently launched in Somerville, Massachusetts, which is <clears throat> just outside of Cambridge, which is where University of Harvard is, Harvard University, and to the west of Boston. And they actively participate in communities that they work and live in, and that's like an art, music, culture in and around David Square, advocating for neighbors by speaking out, standing up and fighting the good fight, committing to do good for all, the, again, the goods, at a dispensary in Somerville, Massachusetts, and once again, joined by the co-founder of The Goods, Chris Vining. Chris, thanks for being back on. Oh, thanks for having me. Hope you guys are doing well today. And my pleasure. So I know that we've gone through quite a bit, and we've heard a little more popping up in various markets of the idea of community cannabis. I know there was someone else that we had on the program recently talking about doing the same idea of the community-minded cannabis and just working around the neighborhood that sells to... You know, really, it was Washington, New Jersey, Dink Poet Dispensary. That's what the other one that we mm-hmm. talked to that they were going the idea of really giving back to the community and trying to work with the community, that community cannabis concept. So you've had it established for over a year now. Talking about the progress. It's going well. I, I think that we, we are showing uh, an engagement that is uh, better than most here in the Massachusetts market. It's It really has to come from leadership at the organization. Um, and we've we've had some some great successes. Uh, we've we've worked with local Somerville nonprofits like uh, the Community Action Agency, Respond, which is a domestic mm-hmm. violence agency. And and I think that from my perspective, a, a lot of it comes from the the partnership with these nonprofits. That you really need leadership at the dispensaries to to set the course forward. And and without that. Uh, it's very difficult to organize around a dispensary. So that what we did was we, you know, being Somerville residents here, we created a lot of great relationships with the the local uh, nonprofits and community organizations so that now over the course of the last year, they had a level of comfortability with us that I, I think that you, you don't see in those public-private uh, relationships between dispensaries and the greater community. Uh, we were a uh, a gold level sponsor of the the fluff fest here in Somerville. I think that that's the type of uh, engagement that we're going to look for moving forward. That you know we've proven that we've we want to do good while doing well in the in, in the industry here, and I, I think that people are starting to to really recognize and appreciate that. Talk about and the fact that you do a lot of work when it comes to regulatory and when it comes to paperwork, the business side and overseeing the financial management and plan that goes into building the suspensory, getting it up and at it. 
after the first year and going up against the MSOs rampant mm-hmm. all over the place. And I would imagine, you know, to be able to stay competitive in the environment, to also deal with the issues that economically we have right now with inflation reasons and, you know, how much investment money is available, how much capital is available for funding in the market as well. Talk about how you've been, been able to go and navigate through that as the smaller business. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, in terms of capitalization, we were fortunate to find capital partners that, you know, got us to this point and, and, and took us over the finish line from being a pre-operational startup to a, you know, a one-year operational dispensary here. Um, in terms of the capital markets now, it, it's tough. It's, you know, when interest rates go up, the cannabis and, and the risks associated with an investment into this space uh, become untenable to some uh, sources of capital. And, uh, what we're what we've really focused on is the core being lean and operating as efficiently as possible. We have some unique uh, advantages to our operation here in Somerville, uh, being street level in the middle of a public city center. Um, but being an independent cultiv- uh, retailer without cultivation, uh, our economics are, are different than the MSOs that you mentioned, that they have a verticality that allows them better pricing uh, power, if you will. Uh, and that's been a constant struggle for us uh, over the course of the last year. We've cultivated a lot of great relationships with you know, independents and multi-state operators because I think they both have a place in this market. Um, but that's been the, the, the big thing for us has been creating a, a diversified menu of some of the best products in Massachusetts and the only way that that's happened is through direct relationships and, and really you know, pounding the pavement, making sure that we find those people that want to work with us, that understand that we have something a little bit different going on here. Uh, and then for you know startups and, and, and thinking about companies that are about to come online into a more saturated market, you got to get yourself, uh, you know, prepared for the reality of what your operations actually look like that, you know, take a hard look at your projections, see if they're based in reality. Uh, a lot of them may or may not be. Um, that, that's that's really where I think a, a lot of the, the the stress and the pain comes uh, in these operations is that you don't meet projections that you know, the, the market will tell you how many people are going to show up to your store every day. And you may or may not be able to move that needle depending on your location. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And of course, with any <clears throat> new dispensary in the last year, it doesn't without any doesn't have without any particular obstacles. And one of the issues that you actually got the chance to speak about with the Boston Business Journal was about how Mastercard went ahead and made the change to ban cannabis debit transactions. I can imagine for businesses like yours to go and go through that kind of issue, hey, it might be a little bit hard to go and just find another credit card processor right off the bat and just find what other cards can be used in the process. And you make mention the point that the ban burdens your customers to the goods, limiting payment options, leaving the frustration and potential loss of business. And it's a stark reminder, you said, of the urgent need for comprehensive federal legalization, fixing banking hurdles, small cannabis businesses face during the drug remaining illegal at the federal level. Now, I want to ask you about this where 
we know we've heard about the what is it hhs recommending to the da possible the most likely scheduling the scheduling of schedule one to schedule three now we know that on the program we've talked to enough companies out there large and, and somewhat small to know that there will be a tax break that will come from all this because of the removal of 280e as a clause that's going to hamper the cannabis businesses by not being able to get write off mm-hmm. any kind of tax uh, breaks. So I want to ask now from a dispensary like the goods, what would be the percentage that you see that comes back and what would a, a business like the goods be able to do with that kind of revenue, say in 2025, if everything goes to plan and the descheduling happens, I mean, do you look back and say, okay, where do you use that money? Where does it get used for if you're getting it back? Um, that's a great question. Uh, we will, we're going to, uh, we're having those types of discussions as we speak. I mean, I think that a, a company like ours that sees, you know, a significant uh, traffic uh, volume, uh, it's a six figure uh, potential um, capture for us if we were able to uh, remove 280E and begin standard deductions uh, like any other normal business. We, we like to say that we're right on Main Street. We want to be treated just like a Main Street business. Um, I think that, you know, thinking about us and, and other independents like us, I, I think that a, a rescheduling and, and a, a different uh, view on the taxation of our, our business will allow our, our us as founders to realize equity, to realize, you know, I think the goals of a lot of these states with their um, licensing programs to, to benefit social equity. We need some help because the, the immense time and the regulatory compliance complexities and, and the requirement of building to a certain level um, combined with the, the wait times eats a lot of your equity. That's that's where I think a lot of the the regulators could take a look and be like, okay, we, we held these this group up for say six months, twelve months, eighteen months even. You know, that's where the equity goes because you, you don't get to hold these locations for free in most scenarios. And that you need to raise capital and there's a cost of capital. Um, so we're we're very much looking forward to something like 280 happening. We think that it could be a, a growth agent for our business. Uh, to what extent? We, we don't know just yet. But we know that, you know, we need support if, if companies like this are going to make it. Now, we're fortunate. We're in a great location. We've also cultivated a great reputation here because of the time in which we've opened. Uh a company that's opening, you know, next week, uh, you know, next week at the year anniversary of us is going to have a whole slew of different challenges. Price compression is real. The oversaturation of the cultivation, manufacturing, and processing industries in Massachusetts and in other states uh, really is going to create a dynamic uh, price point for cannabis, and it it severely. It creates a, a severe uh, arbitrage opportunity within our buying that we can either take advantage of or it can take advantage of us, uh, that we need to be smart with our buying. Um, and I think that we've we've done a, a good job to this point. We, we try to keep it as lean as possible. Um, and, I, and my hope is that other businesses will follow our lead and, and not kind of get over their skis on, in terms of the way that they address product. And, you know, I speak to a lot of cultivators and accounts receivable problems are real and we need the liquidity in the market to to keep it churning 
Now, one of the other things I would imagine that's been an ongoing issue for businesses like yours is, you know, the kind of treatment that the Cannabis Control Commission and the Commonwealth of Massachusetts has been offering and what they've been doing, because there's been a lot of talk within Massachusetts about in relation to equity. So Mm -hmm. we could say it's social equity as well, but the commission had put out an announcement at the end of last month that they were going to do some work to regulate the legal industry. And they had talked about chapter 180 of the acts of 2022 an act relative to equity and the cannabis industry is creating oversight of host community agreements, new municipal equity requirements, suitability reform, and a new designation of social equity businesses for licensees that are not yet participants in the existing programming, but may be eligible for relevant benefits at the state and local levels. So, that's something that wasn't available for a dispensary like yours, but is that something if you were looking to go ahead and open a second dispensary or when you see other dispensaries, you know, come at running at the same level as where you're going to be where you are now after one year, what do you look at what Massachusetts has been providing for businesses like yours on this equity level? Great question. Um, you know, from our perspective, we, you know, I am a social equity program participant and our our local ordinance uh, had both a, a social equity and a local residency component. I think that we need to look at some of these hybrid types of engagements that will allow people to come into the industry that really care about their local community and, and care about running, you know, a best in class type of operation. Some of that support can come from the state and, and the state putting, you know, we, we need to be less rigid in terms of equity restrictions that when you when you put uh, caps on these businesses, that somebody like myself may need to own over 50 percent of the uh, controlling equity. Uh, it can become a, a difficult conversation for capitalization and, and, and forward direction of the business. Um, and I think that we need to have a nuanced approach. And it, it's difficult in you know state regulation, local regulation to have that nuanced approach that we're not cookie cutter. But that's where I think the, the opportunity lies, that we, we can support equity programming and we can support equity participation um, while still having, you know, we need the theory and the practice to kind of meet up in the middle. Um, because if we just say, hey, it's great, we want social equity companies to, to be all the operators in Massachusetts. Well, you're going to set yourself up for a lot of, you know, companies that may or may not be able to make it because of those restrictions held on their kind of startup capitalization a lot of various issues they have to worry about now because of the fact that you're able to go and survive like i mean one thing we talk about when it comes to those that are receiving licensing under a social equity component obviously massachusetts is doing this to kind of like go alongside and parallel what they're seeing in new in new york and new jersey and various other markets where social equity is being very much put as a priority so in New York, whether CAURD licenses, conditional adult use, regulatory licenses, there's all those things you're putting into place. But one of the issues that still comes down to is, you know, these companies can go ahead and have these these social equity licenses can have the licenses, but could lose them as well because if they're not business sound, that dispensary is not going to make it a year like yours has. So any advice you want to give to those that get the chance to go in the licensing process and follow the path that the goods has gone to do at the level you've been at and be able to be successful and thrive as a result. What would you say to those out there that are looking to try to go ahead and replicate what you're doing? Yeah. Realistic, 
expectations. You know, I'm a big um, believer that, you know, expectations and reality are where what create a lot of the issues in, in any industry. But I think cannabis, especially where a lot of people, you know, the green rush, um, you know, if you're building a, a dispensary in a town that only has 5,000 people, per, you know, say, uh, expecting that you're going to do 10,000 transactions in a month, isn't realistic potentially that you really need to understand your cost centers, both pre-operationals, you know, in terms of your startup and construction. And then as you get towards operation, you, you need to, you know, speak with people who have uh, an understanding of, of these components and, or, or educate yourself. Um, because if you just say, Hey, yeah, this is a dispensary. It's in the middle of the Somerville. It's going to do a thousand transactions a day. Well, you're setting yourself up for some disappointment because of, you know, the reality is you're going to do a lot less than that. The, the, you know, I don't I can't speak to other markets like New York, New Jersey, uh, Maryland that just came online. Um, if you're an entrepreneur that's looking to get into this space, my biggest recommendation is speak to a lot of people. And, and you, you, you'll find in the cannabis industry, especially there are so many great individuals that will give you information. You know, just take them to lunch, go buy them a drink. Um, but, but if you don't set the table for yourself, you're setting yourself up for failure. You know, some might, you know, some might make it said, Hey, we, what was your business plan? It was scratched on the back of a napkin. Well, you know, th those work sometimes, but, uh, it's a sophisticated marketplace and, and you really need to know your numbers. You really need to know your expectations and then how you're going to pivot if there's something that isn't as you, uh, expected. Right. So a lot of products over the goods, uh, the goods for all.com G O G G O O D S for all.com. The goods for all.com. Uh, in the store, you got flour, pre-rolls, vaporizers, edibles, concentrates, topicals, tinctures, and ice cream. I saw the cannabis infused ice cream, cloud creamy. That's fantastic. A lot of great flavors. It, did that just come into the space? I, I didn't see, and I haven't really seen a lot of people that are producing and, and creating Cannabis infused ice cream. Talk to me about that. Yeah, I think that we're starting to see what I would, uh, you know, more of a sophisticated uh, product offering, ice cream. It, it's been out for about a year now here in Massachusetts. We've got several operators who are, uh, you know, selling into the market with an ice cream product. Um, and I think a lot of that comes from the ability to uh, source distillate or other cannabis uh, infused products on the wholesale market that allow you to get, you know, bring a cannabis infusion into a traditional product like an ice cream. Um, I will say that price points are difficult to, to some consumers, you know, five milligrams for anywhere from eight to $10 is a, is a high per milligram price point. Uh, and for the, the companies and individuals that are looking to enter that space, you really need to think about how do you want to acquire customers in a retail setting? Just selling me the ice cream and thinking that it's just going to start flying off my shelves is setting yourself up for disappointment. It needs to, you know, you need to have a, a, a market penetration strategy that includes customer activation, customer acquisition, and customer retention. Um, I think that over the course of time, we're going to see some wonderful products come out there, some very cool things. I hope to be a part of it. Um, right now, uh, they're niche products that don't move the needle very much for somebody like myself, right. uh, just because I only have, you know, if I sell five units of ice cream every week, great. I, you know, it's not moving the needle quite, a, quite enough for me to, to make a really big commitment to ice cream. Uh, but we have decided that it's something that we're going to keep on the menu in some way, shape or form moving forward. 
I like the idea of having ice cream out there in the first place. I mean, in terms of edibles, you don't see it a lot. It's, it's very niche, but I like the idea. And I don't know what it is about, you know, okay, Ben and Jerry's is up there in Vermont. Tillamook is up there. Like, what is it about cold climates and having ice cream manufacture? I don't get that part. doesn't make sense to me. But, hey, if it works for, like, cold climates like Massachusetts and, you know, somebody coming into the goods and they want, oh, they're like, I'm going to give me a pint. Okay, there we go. So, <laughs> fine. Yeah. That sounds, works for me. They're, they're, it's a very interesting product. I mean, I think that one of the things that will be would make it more interesting is form factor that, you know, just a little what we call up here in Boston is like a hoodsy cup. Um, oh, that's what you had when you were a kid. It was like half chocolate, half vanilla. And then, you know, a, less than a pint, about a, a quarter uh -huh. of a pint or something. Um, I would be a lot more uh, enthused if there was a stick on it or if we could find a way to put it in an ice cream sandwich that would just yeah. make it give an easier use case for the consumer um but those are difficult because of regulation in the way that in which the the state regulators on you know massachusetts or otherwise uh look at the product you might need tooling in the tens of thousands of dollars to create a a single ice cream sandwich form um you know to get something like that on the market because of the the requirement of indicating its cannabis on the product itself you know what? I like the idea of the divs to do it as the, like the bite-sized pieces that actually, cause everybody's already kind of consuming the edible part. So like having that and just putting that in the freezer and just like, okay, nice and easy to go. It's also just got that right dosage, pop it. You're good to go. Like that actually does sound to, like an idea to it right there. Yeah. And you bring up a really great point there in terms of dosage. I think right. that that's something that all state regulators need to understand is, is something that needs to be expanded. It, that we're in Massachusetts, we're capped at a five milligram per dose limit. Right. We would like to see that expanded. I think that you think it's a retailer and, and edibles as a category. It's very hard for there to be differentiation on the menu when everything's five milligrams. It's like, what, why do I want that gummy over that gummy? Well, they're the same amount of THC. You know, now we have to have kind of a, an awkward conversation about why this, not that, why Right. why indica not sativa why you know for those uh customers if we could expand to something like 25 or 50 or 100 milligrams per serving i think that our consumers are are, are smart enough to to know yeah. how to dose those types of products um and you know coming into a, a an environment like the goods here in somerville uh we would we, we want to educate consumers that you know come to us and say hey i'm it's not having the same effect anymore and having something better to say to them, well, eat, try more. You know, if we had uh, products that had higher dosages, uh, which are available in the medical um, program, I think that we would see a, a more customers, a better differentiation, uh, and it would allow retailers that, like us, independent mm -hmm. retailers, to have a differentiated menu uh, with more offerings that the customers would, would be excited to to try. There you go. I Again, the website is The Goods for All. And, and for those who want to go and come to the website, check out what you have over there. And for those who want to go and make a trip, they're in Boston. They're in the greater Boston, Cambridge area. And they want to make it to your store. Tell us where they can go and find it and uh, know what they should be looking for when they come yeah, on by. You know, they uh, were right on the red line. So that's uh, something that I think is really attractive to anybody traveling to Boston. You're a short trip from downtown to Somerville. Uh, it's a unique uh, environment here with a lot of great individuals who uh, run the gambit. We have, uh, you know, 
families with young children. We have people who have lived here for 50, 60 years, multi-generation. And then, you know, when you, when you come into the goods, I think that, you know, you can rest assured that you'll have products that, that are of the highest quality that we can source. And something new for us is uh, some of the partnerships that we're looking to engage on. Uh, currently, we're, we've just worked with uh, Coast Cannabis, which is a uh, product manufacturer here in Massachusetts, a woman-owned business, uh, that came into our store with products with purpose. And, and, and that's really designed both for the, the good that we can do as cannabis operators, as well as uh, the purpose-driven uh, usage of cannabis. You know, are, are you looking to go to sleep? Are you looking to stay up? Are you looking to relax? Or do you have joint right. pain? We can't make medical claims, but we can help customers understand that this product is designed in a, in a way that should elicit the effects that you're looking for, whether that be, um, you know, anti-inflammatory or, um, you know, help, it, help with going to sleep. Uh, that's, you know, that's something that's really exciting about a, a partnership like we have going with Coast right now. And right. for the, you know, uh, differentiating the goods, if you want to talk to somebody about cannabis, we're the spot for you. We've got very helpful staff roaming the sales floor with an iPad <clears throat> designed to make your experience better. We want people to feel better about the products they buy when they come to the goods. And we think that we're succeeding in that mission through sort of a high touch environment where conversations are encouraged, not discouraged. And I'm trying to remember who it was. If it was you or if it was Alex DeGroote, uh, with your, your co-founder, where you, one of you were a bud tender before you came into the space before you got here to the goods and the importance of i think we talked about on that last interview the importance of finding the right bud tenders that can really give the right advice and the, the importance of what they are now because they, they have so much influence that can be really put on them if they're given the right opportunity yeah you're so you're so correct in that uh, assertion that the bud tenders are the the sources of truth the authorities uh in this industry so many people come into our store that say, uh, just tell me, you know, I want an Indica, just pick it for me. Um, you know, that's almost a, a compliance issue right there. Um, right. So, that you know, we really lean into the people, the products and the purpose of the company and that the people at the forefront, both our, our staff internally and our, our, and our consumers, that we, we really want to create that uh, high you know, comfortability with our, with us as the retailer. If you come in here and you have a problem, you're going to talk to an owner. If you come in here and, and uh, have a question about a product, you don't want to talk to the owner. You want to talk to the right. staffer out there because they know more than I do. Um, and, and that's what's really exciting for us, that we think that we can help, you know, help both independent uh, cultivator, manufacturer, processor brands uh, by educating consumers on why, why their products might, may be better than an MSO product. Right. Um, but for us, it's really consumer centric. If that consumer wants the the, the, the cheapest uh, option, you know, most of the time that's going to come from an MSO, and, and we're happy to sell it to them because you know, there, like I said earlier, there's a place for everybody in this industry, and I don't, I, I don't look at MSOs as as, as really bad actors. Um, right. There, a lot of them are run by people from Massachusetts, and you know, you think of a of a large scale organization in Massachusetts that employs hundreds of people. You know, so what that they're headquartered out of another state, you know, you can still be a good right. actor if you're if you operate in not the state where your your business is. Well, Chris, I appreciate you coming back and talking to us about this. There's a lot we're learning from that. And I mean, a lot of 
those dispensary owners, those that are getting licenses right now, whether it's in New York and other markets that are coming into space, those that are going to get the chance to go and get a license in Ohio for adult use. Here we go. Pay attention to what Chris has been doing at the goods in Somerville, Massachusetts, and you know, follow the follow the example because yeah. they they made it through one year, and I'm sure there's many more years to come. So again, yeah. Chris Vining, co-founder of the Goods, thegoodsforall.com. Thank you for being on with us once again. Absolutely. And if anybody wants to reach out, you know, info, uh, our info page on the website will get get you to us and uh, we'd be happy to engage, you know, answer questions. A lot of people helped us along the way, so we'd be willing to help others. Thanks so much. Thanks a lot. Have a great day. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors, and add blocks. No custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise, and with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step -step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.